no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. Well, look who it is. Papa Pony is back. You know the drill. First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. Every game, every team, every week. And this week, before the trade deadline, no teams on by. So we actually get to talk about every game coming to you after a 30 to 15 Chargers win over the Bears. 30 to 13, right? Is the final score? 30 to 13. Yeah, you might want to get that figured out before uh, two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Get that final score. On the right. side, out of the side of my eye, no joke. Like I normally will point a thumb. I make mistakes all the time. Uh, I still have NBC on, and they showed 30 to 15. As mm. as the score. So uh, my bad. Uh, of course, Spencer has that correct. NBC very much has it wrong. Um, I have. Well, this of is your team. I- so you watch this game. This is yeah the team you cover. Uh, I don't know if we need to spend you know a, a huge amount of time on this game, but I am curious because we haven't talked in a while, and your Bears just played on Sunday Night Football. What your reaction is? To this game, they did show Justin Fields on the sideline in his six and twenty-five all-time record. He was catching strays for really no good reason <laughs> during the game. Uh, but let's hear it from you. What do you got? Well, until the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter, which was the first time that Chris Collinsworth even entertained the possibility that Justin Fields could be a good or be the quarterback for the Bears next year, even though I don't think that either of those things is an extreme likelihood at this point, it honestly felt like a 56-minute infomercial for Tyson Bajant, like saying that Justin Fields should study Tyson Bajant and could learn from Tyson Bajant, and you know this is how the offense is supposed to work. You know how this works. These broadcasters talk to coaches, and you combine that with Adam Schefter earlier today, saying no one around the Bears was surprised about Tyson Bajan. In fact, one player in training camp said that they thought they had the next Brock Purdy on their hands. Yeah, I saw like, that. It it felt like the Tyson Bajan PR machine uh, from inside Hallis Hall was out in full force. And listen, Tyson Bajan is an unbelievable story. I get why Sunday Night Football did what they did. Uh, D2 quarterback starting, West Virginia kid, world champion arm wrestling father, like a lot of firsts, a lot of never before seen in NFL history. It's it's a good human interest story. I get it. And he gets the ball out quick. He's smart. He's got a lot of flight miles. He profiles out to be a decent backup quarterback. But you saw it. I mean, the, the, the Chargers came in as the worst pass defense in the NFL, and they could have easily had four interceptions against this guy. And they, they scored seven points when the game was even relatively competitive. So... He, he is very limited in his upside. He's an unbelievable story. I think he could have an eight, 10 year career as a backup in the NFL and make millions of dollars. But the Bears suck. And Tyson Bajant is not the savior for whatever ails them. And I can't wait to, for Justin Fields to come back. And I hope it's next week against the Saints. But you know, for me, I think you're at a point where you would say the odds are he's it's highly unlikely that Fields is their quarterback next year. Right? Uh, mean, co- yeah, correct. I mean, but but it's okay. more likely that he's their week one starter than Tyson Bajant. Of course. But okay, who has a better chance of being on the Bears roster in 2024? Well, Bajant's already under contract, as is okay. Fields. Yeah. So okay. So 
if they so how would you answer men- that? I mean, I think I think I think Bajant is right. So for me, I think you 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 hit it on the head. It, it, it seems like they're already spinning the PR machine to lay the groundwork to draft the quarterback and trade Justin Fields. He becomes, in my opinion, one of three quarterbacks, current NFL quarterbacks, not college guys, who teams will look at as a franchise player next year. Fields, Murray, and Cousins, who are who we all know will be available. Murray will be available in a trade, same with Fields, and then Cousins will be a free agent. And those are three guys who will end up with quarterback needy teams who might not feel like they have a draft pick high enough to take one of the guys that are in college. And I'm intrigued by what those guys get traded for and who they get traded to. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo got traded in season from the Patriots to the 49ers. The the Bears would probably never do it, but shouldn't they be at least offering up Justin Fields to the rest of the NFL over the next 48 hours to see what he's worth? If they've already moved on and they're talking about how this rookie undrafted guy fits their system so well, well then see what Fields is worth right now. Why Here's not? The reason, here's the reason why you can't. What if the Bears in Carolina win a few games the rest of the way and you end up with the third and the sixth pick in the draft? And well, you, you can don't... guarantee yourself that you're not going to win a lot of games if you trade Fields and play this undrafted kid the remainder of the season. Dude, weird things happen in the NFL. Weird things happen. All that has to happen is you have to end up with a third pick in the draft as your top. So what's the highest pick you think they'd get back for Fields then? Now or months from now? You think they'll get a first? No. No, I don't. I think if they were offered a first, they would they would fly him private right now. Would they take a second for him? I think they would, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think they would. Uh, especially in the off season. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they could do it right now. Like I said, because on the off chance that you don't get Drake may or Caleb Williams, you can't go into next year with only Tyson Bajant under contract and field still. And all that goodwill he built up for what he did before he got hurt in the Vikings game seems to have evaporated awfully fast. Huh? Yeah, man. It's, cr- it's crazy. He, he had eight touchdowns, no picks and over 600 yards passing in two games against Denver and Washington then had six bad drives against Minnesota dislocated his thumb Tyson Bajan threw for 160 yards in a win against Vegas and then did what he did tonight against the Chargers and like 40 percent of the city uh thinks Tyson Bajan's better than Justin Fields it's weird it's weird really all right let's get into the games because I don't really think there's a lot to be said about the Chargers they they beat a team that they were clearly better than and their star quarterback looked like a great player tonight and that's it really i mean we don't yeah i mean Eckler helps them a lot they're they're still dangerous if healthy and playing well but we know that something weird will happen to the chargers all right we got a lot of games to get to and i put vikings packers at the absolute top because of the aforementioned kirk cousins uh rupturing his achilles to me that is the biggest story of the day what should the vikings do now that cousins is done play mullins and hope they go four and thirteen Okay, so would you trade I mean, Daniel Hunter? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, because I, I think I think that's yeah, really that's interesting. an easy one. They're four. Okay, and, okay you say it's an four easy and one. four, but well, I mean, what what you're saying? You're, what, what's the alternative here? Trade well, for a band aid quarterback. Trade for Ryan Tannehill. 
I just think it's no, I, I listen, I think that the week to week nature of the NFL, they were a clear seller. They beat the Niners. Then they're a clear buyer. They win the day, but their quarterback gets hurt. Now they are probably, again, they should be a seller. I wonder if they can pivot that quickly internally. Like, it's a week-to-week league. I agree with you. They clearly should be a seller now because of the Cousins news. The reports out of uh, you know the locker room were it was the quietest the reporters had ever heard a locker room after a win in the NFL. Cousins is a beloved teammate there and they were doing this without Jefferson like Minnesota's like offensive line has been better their defense had been improving like they were actually a significantly improving team that people thought were going to make some noise as an NFC wild card this year and now their season's over I'll be fascinated to see if they actually pivot off of it and and trade away a couple of pieces uh, in the next 48 hours I'll be fascinated by it yeah I mean they're kidding themselves that they think they're actually they were actually going to make noise before this happened i mean they're a gimmick defense that blitzes more than any team in the nfl to try to make up for their issues in other spots i give them credit for coming up with something that makes them different that makes them tough to game plan for every week because nobody else does what they do from a philosophical standpoint so that's an improvement off of last year but they're the vikings i mean they're going to invent ways to lose games this year they've been horrible in one score games. So if they thought that they were going to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and go nine and eight and win a playoff game this year, you know, that was their ceiling. That's always been the ceiling with Kirk Cousins. He's won one playoff game in 13 in 13 years. I think it's going to be interesting if they'll talk themselves into bringing him back now. Like, are they going to look like let's say the Vikings, let's say the Vikings do kind of limp their way to seven wins and go seven and ten. Are they going to try to get into the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes and run it back with him next year? That's what I like. I could see them talking themselves into it. And it's really bizarre. The pendulum on him swings so wildly from week to week that like his stats this year, are people saying he's a good quarterback again, as if they've never watched the guy check down on third and 11 in a playoff game. I mean, it's just bizarre how the narrative on him, people have amnesia sometimes and need to get reminded if he you know, has a stinker last year, like when they lost to Dallas by 40 points. Like His numbers are good enough where people tr- trick themselves into thinking sometimes that you can win and sustain success with him as a quarterback. I got to be honest, uh, him doing this without Jefferson has been impressive. Did you have him throwing for 450 yards against the Niners without Justin Jefferson? Or no, the offense need, having 450 no. yards of offense, rather? No, I mean, I didn't, but, like, we need to have a new conversation about the 49ers and what's happened with them over the last few weeks. So a little yeah. bit of the shine is off that, that performance, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you think it would be a good idea? Like, do you think it would be a good idea for Minnesota to bring him back and pay him another $35 million a uh, year? N- no, I don't. I think that they should, they, they should be ready to pivot, but... I don't think that there are 12 quarterbacks in the NFL that are better than Kirk Cousins. Fair enough. Okay, so you've got the 12th or you've got the 11th best quarterback in the NFL yeah. and you're paying him yeah. market value. I don't I don't I would not want my team to do that. I I I agree. I agree with you. I'm just saying this year Kirk Cousins has been impressive. That's all. He he has exceeded my expectations this year. I wouldn't want like 
Uh, I was still talking with a buddy. Like, I mean, he's been Kirk Cousins, Danny. He's on pace to, to throw more than 30 touchdowns and close to 5,000 yards. That's what he does every year. How is that impressive when that's what he does every single season, basically? He's got a rookie wide receiver as his number one guy right now. I Yeah, I, I told – and Hawkinson. Yeah. I mean, what does Jordan Addison have seven touchdowns already? He does. Impressive. I told you he was going to be good, and you didn't listen to me. No, you're right. You're right about that. All right. Uh, all right. I want to re- I, I, I want to ask a question here now. I haven't right, done fine. this in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, it is 49ers and Bengals. You have here bigger story, Burrow looking good or Purdy looking bad. Okay. For the talk shows, for the national talk shows, it's clearly Purdy looking bad because there has been so much debate around him and what happens when uh, Debo is out and Trent Williams is hurt and he's thrown interceptions and multiple interceptions in a couple of games and he, you know, the clock is striking midnight, turning back into a pumpkin, all of those analogies. And I'm right there with them. I never bought in on Purdy. You bought in on Purdy. I never bought in on Purdy. I think that this is what is happening here. When you don't have everything perfect around him, he's looking like Mr. Irrelevant. But we talked about if the Bengals could survive the early season Joe Burrow injury, man. The AFC feels wide open. He looked awesome today. And maybe you'll tell me that you're not impressed with the Niners defense anymore and that it's not impressive what Cousins did and it's not impressive what he did, but he is scrambling. He is getting up and just like like emphatically like lowering his head, diving forward on on third down run conversions. He had what four touchdowns today? Like Joe Burrow looked to me 100% healthy and he just hung 31 on the Niners. We came into the three touchdowns. Thank you. We came into the year thinking that the Bengals could be a top five offense in the NFL, but then he got hurt and Higgins got hurt. This to me was a very impressive, like the Bengals still have dreams of winning a Super Bowl type of performance. He completed 88% of his passes. And I think at one point set a personal record for consecutive completions against what was the number one defense in the NFL last year. And for the first month of the season, looked like it was on a similar pace. So I'm not going to say anything to denigrate what Burrow has done when I thought because of his calf injury, we were never going to see that guy this year. And so whatever, you know, whoever put hands on, on him, whatever miracle worker they brought in to fix that calf muscle, it's worked or he's found a way to manage it and play through the pain and be the Joe Burrow that has gotten them to back-to-back AFC championship games. So I am mighty uh, impressed with what he's done. And it does have me thinking differently about the Bengals. But I do think that the bigger story is the 49ers on a couple of different levels. Number one, I think that I think that there's a chance that Purdy's going to get benched for Darnold. I just do. They signed, they signed Darnold on the first day of free agency. The way that people who covered that team talked about him in camp. And then the way that people who know quarterback play talk about the potential for him in that system, I really don't think it's going to take much more. I think the leash is very, very short on Purdy. I think like all all the things that he got credit for, the quick processing, the sound decision-making, we're seeing cracks in that right now. And I think that Shanahan likes the guy that's behind him. So I don't think he's going to have a high tolerance or patience level is my point. 
So I do think we're going to see Darnold play at some point. I don't think it's going to be because of a concussion or an injury. Uh, the second thing is, you know, if, if when the, the obituary is written on the 49er season, if it doesn't end in a Super Bowl, you could already see it. They're going to blame Steve Wilkes for it. I mean, what Shanahan said after the last game to me, we didn't talk about it because it was a Monday night game, was completely unacceptable to say the defensive coordinator came to me and admitted he made the wrong call. You just threw your guy under the bus. Like you could tell that there's a disconnect there because he comes from outside the organization. And I don't know if that's going to get fixed. Are they going to strip him of play calling and have somebody else who worked under him in D'Amico Ryan's takeover? I guess they could, but that just sticks out to me now that like there seems to be trouble in paradise with the defensive side of the ball because of a guy who I thought they brought in to make that unit elite, a guy that really might be a head coach in this league with the job he's done in Carolina last year. But I mean, that, 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 that to me reeks of like dissension, what's going on in their, in their coaching office right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chiefs and Broncos. How big of a deal is this loss for the Chiefs? So I don't think Mahomes should have played today. And I think there's this Michael Jordan complex because of what the guy did with, when he was sick that permeates all of sports. And if we don't have like the, if we don't romanticize things like that, I don't think Mahomes tries to will himself out there against Denver when they've got a trip to Germany to play Miami next week. I thought that was short-sighted. I thought what they should have done today was say, we've beaten this team 16 times in a row. Let's have an organizational win and let's put a backup out there and we'll beat them with the power of our entire roster. I thought that was a mistake to play Mahomes at way less than 100%. What do you have to gain from that? Like, Well, it's not like it was an injury. It's not like it's going to impact his ability to beat Miami because he played in this game. He had had the flu. No, I I understand that. What I'm saying is why he was short-sighted. Because I thought thought he gave them – if the guy is sick and way less than 100%, we're not talking about an AFC championship game. Just let him rest. I mean, listen, I, I think that if Sky Moore catches that pass at the end, they maybe they maybe start getting something turned around and, and come back. But listen, I don't know. I don't who, think it, it shouldn't come down to one play against against Denver. I'm sorry. Like, oh, I agree. We, we should talk about they gave up 70 points and 700 yards in a game this year. But listen, I would not. I don't understand why anyone would look up to or romanticize Michael Jordan. I just I can't I can't imagine why that would happen. Um, I'll make a prediction. The best receiver on the Chiefs is not currently on the roster. They are going to make a big move before this Miami game. Really? Who? Mike Evans, Mark, uh, Jerry Judy, Hollywood Brown. I don't know who, but why would you not? 
Their defense looks like they could win a Super Bowl. Kelsey is still clearly in his prime. Mahomes is obviously in his prime. The offensive line is spectacular. You're, you have not been a consistently good passing team this year. Tony and Sky Moore and Rice and all these guys either young, inconsistent, or straight up bad. Go get traded for McCole Hardman. Right. Who muffed the punt? They had four turnovers today. They were but mostly giveaways, not takeaways. Like go go spend a third round pick on Mike Evans's contract who's expiring. Like dangle it out there. Go get the best playmaker you can for a third round pick. I I, I just wonder in, in, in two things on that. You win a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And is there an, is there a belief there with Mahomes and Reed that they don't need to make that trade and give up a premium pick and take on a uh, take on a big contract that they'll figure it out in the second half of the season? I think there probably is and that's what's going to prevent them from making the deal that you describe. I also think is there a little bit of we could have had DeAndre Hopkins, we could have had Adam Thielen, we could have signed either one of these guys in free agency who would have made us better. We didn't. So now they're going to like, it's like I could have had this car for $25,000 two months ago. Now I'm going to pay 40,000 for it. Like I just, I I wonder if there's that urgency there to make what they might look at as a bad deal to help them win. Now I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll make a side bet on that. I don't think they'll make a trade for a wide receiver over the next couple of days. I, I listen, I don't know if they will, but they should. And I, I would, I would bet on it, man. How many more years does Travis Kelsey have when he's elite? Maybe two or three best case scenario. Best case. Dude, he's 34. Yeah. Best case scenario. Best case. So I, every year with him in his prime is precious, man. I would. I guess that's I would, it, that's it. Even if he wants to keep playing football, the guy looks like he's you know angling to be the next, the Rock. Looks like he wants to start and be like a. Yeah, he's well on his way. Actor, entertainer, yeah. But so I just, I just, I, I, I hope they do. I, I, I hope they make an aggressive move to add someone this year, um, and I think any of those names would help tremendously. All right, this is your game, Steelers Jaguars. Deontay Johnson after the game said the refs wanted the Jags to win. I'm sure he will be fined, but was he right? Uh, he was right in that we saw egregious missed calls at the end of the first half of this game in a very close, ugly football game that really dramatically increased the likelihood that Jacksonville was going to win. Um, and if people missed it, you had an obvious roughing the passer penalty that got missed, especially given the standard that was set earlier in the game when the Steelers got called for a hit on Trevor Lawrence that ended up with Pickett leaving the game with a rib injury and not coming back in the second half. And then they kicked a 55-yard field goal that was called back because the rep said a guard lined up offside. And then they pulled up pictures of it after the game and there was no proof. Mike Tomlin flipped out on a female official on the sideline and said, what the F are y'all doing today? It got that heated. Um, it just, look, it it sucks anytime you have a team with a very small margin for error 
because of how limited they are offensively and you're playing against a team that's better than you and you feel like you're not only playing that team but you're also playing the reps and what makes it worse is it's at home too where you anticipate you're going to get 50 50 calls and you're going to get the benefit of the doubt and so that's what i think threw these guys off i mean i give the i give johnson credit because he knows he's going to get fined probably at least fifty thousand dollars for it but it was bad because yeah, those, those of- were like, I, listen, I, I think I love when guys call off the refs and I think the fines for it are stupid and I think they're overly protective of the refs, but that was a aggressive call out of the refs. My, like yeah. my, my guess is that fine will be pretty substantial. Yeah. And like, look, I mean, that's, but that's where the Steelers are at right now. They know they're in an absolute dog fight to compete in this division and make the playoffs. They know that they even riding a two-game winning streak, their offense is just so remedial that a three-point swing like that in this game, given what their defense is capable of doing, can be the difference between a win or a loss. I mean, it's possible that they they look back on this game and that's the difference between them making the playoffs and missing it. So that's why they were so so pissed. Uh, And they had a right to be. Just one thing on Trevor Lawrence. The red zone turnovers are just maddening and him in the rain has now been a thing like Jacksonville in the rain overall, but like, I don't know, man, that guy makes some high level throws, just some unbelievable. Like he makes some throws that you feel like he could be a top three quarterback in the NFL. And then he makes some turnovers that are like, when is he ever going to have it click in and mature? Like, I think he's been crowned way too early, even though this stretch of wins has been very impressive. But, like, if you just took the highlight reel throws from him, you'd be convinced that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He had some excellent plays today. Well, I actually thought the MVP for them was ETN on offense. I think he's that been great. guy is a stud. And I never advocate taking running backs in the first round. But he makes plays as a pass catcher, too, like he did on that long touchdown that gave the Jags a two-possession lead that make him, right now, a very valuable commodity and a dude that they wanted to give the ball to it seemed on every single play while he was healthy and in the game all right uh next one you have the browns and seahawks here is cleveland dangerous if deshaun watson uh ever gets his bleep together so like i know seattle wins this game so i could imagine if you're a seahawks fan listening to this you're like why are you asking the question from the browns perspective but it just and we do have a lot of Seahawks fans out there who are big first in pod. We should we should be huge so in the Pacific Northwest. You know how much we so love. I appreciate you. you caring about their feelings and emotions after that win. I'm just saying, like they are in all of these games. Their defense had been the number one ranked defense in the NFL. They obviously like suffered the Chubb injury, which has been devastating. But if they actually had the quarterback that he was supposed to be, a dude who had a 5,000-yard season at 24 years old with Bill O'Brien, like if he was what they paid for, they'd be a contender in the AFC right now. And maybe you're like, well, yeah, obviously, if they had a great quarterback, they'd be a contender, like way to go out on a limb. But it just feels like I so torturous if you're a Browns fan to have gone through all of that to get him, to have him fall flat on his face on the field and have the rest of the team around him actually seem to be fairly competent. 
So I don't feel bad for Browns fans because obviously they sold their soul to the devil. And I know you fight with them all the time. But man, if Deshaun Watson was good, I feel like we'd be in, in for a run that like, I don't know, I haven't seen in my entire life the Browns being relevant and have like a wide open window of contention for half a decade. And I think they've actually somewhat successfully weathered the Nick Chubb injury storm. And he's one of the best players in the entire league. Um, And they've been able to run the ball without him. Look, if I'm just Sean Watson, I'm ecstatic that the Seahawks won today. Like I'm on that, I'm on that team flight, that long flight back to Cleveland. And I'm very quietly celebrating because I would not want to deal with the with the reaction to, okay, they took the show on the road against a team with a really good record. And this style of football with PJ Walker netted them another win. And I think that would have only turned more Browns fans against him. Like he needs for Deshaun Watson, not only does he clearly need to come back and play better, but in the court of public opinion, like, I think he needs the Browns and their fans to feel like, like he's, uh, you know, he's irreplaceable, right? I mean, like the la- the fact that they're winning games or, or almost won another game today without him, my reaction would be, why did we give up the draft picks and pay this guy two hundred and thirty million guaranteed? We don't need that. So, yeah, you know, that that's that's the complex there that they're that they're struggling with that he's ha- having to deal with. Look, we know it's we know how fragile guys are. I don't think Carson Wentz could handle the Eagles winning a Super Bowl with Nick Foles in the way that that killed his career mentally. And I think some of that could go on in Cleveland the more they win while Deshaun Watson sits on the sideline. Commanders and Eagles. AJ Brown continued his streak of 125 yards or more receiving. He now has the NFL record. Where does he rank for you in terms of offensive player of the year candidates? Well, I put him behind the wide receiver in Miami off the top of my head. I'd still give at his own position. I'd still give Tyreek Hill the nod. Yep. Um, It's really not a quarterback award anymore because we just give the MVP to quarterbacks. Spencer Texans, uh, Christian McCaffrey and the great run he's on. He scored another touchdown to tie the NFL record with 17 in a row. He'd be on that short list too. Uh, Yeah, I think he's like in the top five right now. Yeah, well, so I mean, I have the odds and you guys named the top two. Tyreek Hill is plus 135, McCaffrey's plus 155. And AJ Brown's plus eight fifty. So, I basically just wanted to talk to you about whether or not you think that's a good bet, <laughs> because Hertz gets more credit than probably Tua gets for Tyreek, and more credit, and like McCaffrey gets more credit for the Niners' offense certainly than Purdy. So, like, I, and Tyreek, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Like, he's on pace for. 2,000 yard and shattering the single season uh, receiving yards record. But both of those guys, I feel, I feel like Tyreek's always like a minute away from pulling a hamstring and McCaffrey plays such an injury riddled position. AJ Brown is having a monster of a season. He's on an absolutely ridiculous run. So eight and a half to one for him when Hertz is not putting up the dual threat numbers that he's put up before and their defense is such 
that they're going to have to be in a lot of shootouts airing it out. I, I don't hate that price for A.J. Brown, even though I clearly agree with the odds makers that he should be third right now. But it would not surprise me at all if A.J. Brown ends up by the end of the year uh, at the top of this board. You just never know when the Eagles are going to revert back to being the super-duper run-heavy team that they were even at the very beginning of this year. Yeah. They also, with um, with Goddard and, and Smith, you, you do have games where the ball still gets spread around to those guys. Uh, it's really, to me, a t- testament in that they do such a good job of being aggressive there. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Philadelphia do something else, even after the Bayard move. Maybe they trade for Hunter. I mean, I I think they don't need him, but they might just say, screw it, the more the merrier. I mean, you just never, they traded for Robert Quinn last year and barely used him. You just never know with Howie Roseman what kind of move he's got up his sleeve. And I also think it's just teams that continue to say, we need to draft like a left guard over a wide receiver should look at that trade and, 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 and subsequent moves around the league, like Jamar Chase over Sewell in Cincinnati. Like, yeah, they've got a great line. So it's not like they picked one over the other, but like, let's do everything we can to give our quarterback, not protection, but weapons. So. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I agree with that completely. I mean, I can't imagine being a Titans fan and watching this run that AJ Brown is on right now. <laughs> Um, Uh, all right. So next you have giants and jets. Yeah. And with that comes the question, what the F happened to Brian Dable and the giants and their fans who are in a state of shock because I I was, I had red zone on it and I think Scott Hansen acted like that game was over. Like the the giants basically had it locked up and Gano missed a field goal. And then We'll, we'll go for it. 13 seconds later, the, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. Go for it. What are you doing? Your kicker is bad and going through a rough stretch. You, you, you fall forward. The game is over. You win. Congratulations. You miss the kick. You give them better field position. The, they didn't complete a pass since the second quarter. The second quarter, they were in the like deep in the fourth quarter with negative eight passing yards. Pony, that's one of the worst football games in modern NFL history. Like, legitimately, I don't know if you went through and looked at it. They were a combined four for 34 on third down. The Giants finished with negative nine yards passing. There were 24 punts in the game. You know, we talked about this before 24 punts. We we talked about this before the season started, that we knew the Giants overachieved last year and they were going to come back down to earth. It, what would the reaction there be if and when that happened? Because they clearly were not going to uh, duplicate last year, making the playoffs, winning a playoff game. That just was not in the cards for this team. They got They might have gotten a little bit better on paper, but that was just such a lucky... They were they they were the Vikings with a playoff win last year. They were a team. Minnesota yes. and the Giants were not good teams. They got matched up against each other in a playoff game. The Giants won. That performance against the worst defense 
Daniel Jones parlayed that into a long-term deal. So Giants were, I think, drawing pretty much dead before the season even started. I do think it's interesting, that though, that a lot of the New York sports media seems to have turned against Dable in such a brief amount of time. Like, I would give him an A for last year. Yes. Do I give him an F for this season? I mean, today was brutal, like you said. But do I think he's forgotten that much as a coach in one year? No, I just think they they paid the quarterback, which was dumb. Their offensive line is in tatters. Uh, they've got a, you know, risk it or no biscuit style defense where it's all or nothing. Like, the problem for them is I just don't see where their path is to get out of this beyond this this season, whether it's with Brian Dable or another coach because of the commitment they made to Jones. Yeah. I don't, listen, I don't think they're moving on from Dable, but that was one of the worst. I could not imagine attending that game. The coolest highlight of that game was, did you see Aaron Rodgers pregame? Yeah. He looked good throwing the ball. I thought the same thing. What is going on? He's, taking a couple of steps and planting on his back Achilles and throwing the ball. What's that like horse uh, tranquilizer thing or that like Ivermectin? You think he's getting that shot into his Achilles? Dude, what? I I know he did the different Achilles reconstructions with with like the internal cast or whatever, but like, dude, like they won that game somehow. And I'm thinking to myself, that kept them alive for the seven seed. Yeah, he might but come back and play. It, it's it's ridiculous. The, the, right. the, what? Just one more quick thing on the Giants, though. Like, the way in which they lost, I know it's not as egregious or as bad, but it did it did remind me a little bit of that Miami-Georgia Tech game where you just, your win probability was like 99 and you found a way to screw it up at the very end. And I just do wonder, like, that locker room probably already no, reality has set in. It'll be interesting to see how hard they play over the next couple of weeks when you suffer a loss like that? Do they just pack it in and get blown out from here on out? Well, I mean, is is Tommy DeVito going to have to start for them again? Well, if if he is, then they are going to get killed. Do they he, – he can't throw. He's, he, he's not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> um, r- Cowboys and Rams. Hold, hold on one second. I want to just see. Oh, my God. The Giants-Raiders total has posted at 37 and a half. That is a screaming under. <laughs> that is the biggest under of all time. Uh, Cowboys, good enough to be aggressive buyers after a dominant showing today, in your opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I expect them to buy also. Like, they they lost Diggs, and that's massive. Dak was incredible today. CeeDee Lamb was incredible today. Um Obviously, Lawrence and Parsons are studs. Like, I don't know if a top cornerback is going to be traded. Like, there was a lot of talk around here of Jalen Johnson getting traded. I don't think the Bears are going to trade him. Why? He's a free agent at the end of the year. I know. I think the Bears are going to franchise tag him or sign him. Uh, But, like, if Jalen Johnson got traded, that would make sense. If uh, the Broncos – like, if they wanted to give up a first-round pick for Sertan – that would make sense to me. Well, well, hold on a second. If Sertan is going to get traded for only a first-round pick, then there's probably 
10 teams in the league that should make that trade. If I agree. That's, uh, he's it's a, probably, he probably going to cost more than a first round. He pick. was an all pro at 23 years old. And I know that he's not having the best season this year, but look at their defense at in general. And they have played better the last three weeks, him included. Um, see, I think Dallas shouldn't aggressively pursue a trade like that, but here's the thing. Like, don't you feel like Jerry Jones, because he runs their drafts, is probably more married to those draft picks than he should be? I mean, how often have we really seen him trade top picks for players since he's taken over that role with them? I just think he's, I, I just think he has, I think he fetishizes over it. Getting those picks right, all the times they put in the offseason. I, I don't know. I, I would. Like Derrick Henry's not going to get traded now, right? Not that I would even think that that would be the best thing for Dallas to give up a first round pick for, or even a high second round pick. Yeah, I mean, I hear um, I hear what you're saying, but I just if I'm them, I don't know this whole this whole league feels wide open this year. I we've seen more trades in the NFL recently than we saw three, four, ten years ago. Like. I, I think this is going to be a pretty active deadline, man. Just call it a hunch. Like it's wide open in both conferences, and there's going to be a ton of teams that are motivated to get bad because of how good the quarterbacks are supposedly at the top of the draft. Just this, this feels like there's going to be a bunch of buyers and a bunch of sellers, which should make for an active market. And I would think the Cowboys would be among the active buyers. Let's do um, – okay, God, we still have five five games left. we got to pick it up. Me and Meltzer went an hour five on one of them. It was disgusting. Um, Titans-Falcons. I, I, how- I listened. Did you? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, how impressed were you with Will Levis? Very. Extremely. I mean, the guy's bombing the ball and airing it out, and he made DeAndre Hopkins look like the dude he was in Houston five years ago. Um, The guy has physical skills. No one's disputed that. He can throw the ball 80 yards. That's never been a question. Atlanta's defense can have have a good game. We saw what they did to to Tampa Bay the week before. They won an ugly game there. I mean, they're capable of having – good showings defensively. They're probably a top 15 defense in the NFL, slightly above average. And he roasted them. He cooked them today. I did not expect that. They were talking about playing two quarterbacks in this game, that they were, they, they did mix Willis in, but the way that they advertised it was, we're going to use two guys in this game. That's not a ringing endorsement for Will Levis when that's the stated strategy of the organization. So I don't know if they were, you know, underselling and over-delivering or what. But yeah, I did not watch every play of that game, but every time they showed a highlight and you see a guy step back and throw it 50 yards downfield and hit a dude in stride, uh, that gets your attention pretty fast. Well, so yeah, so like the first one was kind of underthrown. No one's there, blown coverage, Hopkins catches it. So I'm like, all right, you know, not giving him much. The second one, Hopkins makes the awesome catch on the crosser. It's yeah. behind him, but he snags it, doesn't break stride, gets in. I'm like, all right, Hopkins helping the dude out. Then the third and the fourth one, 
were great throws. I know, dude. <laughs> like, I so like I was like even kind of kind of faded him, kind of talking it down two touchdowns in. And then by the end, I was like, all right, well, I'm a jackass. Like play playmaker made plays, man. Very impressive. No idea how this guy was third on the depth chart behind Malik Willis for the first third of the season, but I hope he starts the rest of the way. And I hope we never see Malik Willis or Tannehill again. And you were on right when I declared that the Patriots took the mantle from the Titans as the least watchable team in the NFL. Dude, you put this guy back here. They're not even bottom five. They're straight up watchable. If Levis is a good quarterback, um, yeah, then the idea of him with Mike Vrabel, even though he's a defensive coach, uh, they become a real live team in the AFC moving forward. Uh, it's only one game I get that, but it was such a shocking performance that my mind is going to places like that already. I'm sure in Nashville, they're jumping to conclusions like that as well. Because the biggest thing with him is, you know, I hate to make this comparison, but there is some Josh Allen in there. He can make throws that you that you demand and ask out of like the top 1% of athletes. Like what makes an NFL quarterback? Can you get the ball from point A to point B? He can do that on like every, it's like reading defenses, and going to the right places with the ball, he needs to get that right. But the physical tools, Danny, we saw today, are through the roof. They might be better than anybody that was picked in that draft, to be honest with you, at quarterback. Does he yeah, throw well, better I mean, I, ball I still, than Bryce still, Young? Still, yes, 100% well, he does. Okay. Yeah, Richardson, he doesn't. Richardson's a toolsy guy. Well, I'm just saying, I, th- I think Richardson also has a big arm, but is much faster. Yeah. Well, he's, he, he tested out as the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, at the position. Yeah. yeah. Um Dolphins and Patriots. Uh a 2000 yard season from Tyree Kill. I guess we should consider that now as a possibility. Well, he's officially on pace. Through eight through eight games, he's got more than 1000 yards. He's a he's officially on pace to do it in a 16 game season and obviously they play 17. So he's got he's got a real shot at breaking Megatron's record of 1964 and he's probably going to the hall of fame already, but you leave Kansas city and you leave Mahomes, and you get more productive and you break that record and you don't do it like straight up in garbage time. And you do it on a good team. You do it on a playoff team. You do it potentially on a division winning team. Uh, we talked offensive player of the year earlier. I mean, if he does it, he'll obviously win. Like if he if he sets that record, he'll obviously win. But this is this is the signature season of a signature career that Tyreek Hill is crafting eight games in. He's been unbelievable. I thought it was a really important game for them today. I really did. And Hill featured prominently in that. I thought given how they played against Philadelphia and what lies ahead, the trip to Germany to play the Chiefs, that they could have gotten tripped up here. You know, New England riding high after beating Buffalo. Mac Jones having one of his best games as a pro. There's always the scepter or the you know, the the glimmer of Belichick and what he's been able to do against Tyreek Hill. 
in past matchups. And they got their 30 points. They kept New England at arm's length pretty much from the second quarter till the end of the game. I thought it was a very business-like win. The whole thing Miami's been fighting all year is we know that they can beat the bad teams. It's a matter of can they beat the good teams. And they didn't answer that question today. But they avoided what a lot of teams have fallen victim of. The Cardinals beating the Cowboys and the Colts beating the Ravens. They didn't allow for that to happen in a game where they could have easily been looking ahead to next week, Danny. They're very fun to watch. Um, Saints and Colts. Saints put a big number on the board here. What's the best case scenario for the Saints season? Uh, win the NFC South and win a playoff game would be my answer there. I, I think that that's, I think that that's definitely in play. It's a three horse race. Tampa, uh, they are they are leaking oil. I mean, they have not looked good the last few games. And Atlanta, we saw Ritter leave the game. They said concussion. Others said it was performance related. He's not played well. Heineke got playing time today. I mean, they should be the favorites to win the division. And the odds are the odds are not posted right now for that division. Six of the eight divisions are up right now. The NFC South is not one of them. So I know that Seattle's leading the NFC West right now, but I'm still going to pick San Francisco to come back and win that division. So really, right now, with the the Saints are in this spot, just like last year with Tampa. Whoever's the runner-up in the NFC East, that's who the Saints are going to play at home in the first round of the. That's that's who the winner of the NFC South is going to play. Eagles, Cowboys, the loser of that NFC East race will probably make a trip to New Orleans in January. Right? And I mean, yeah. Listen, New. I mean, New Dallas, Orleans. Lost, Dallas New won Orleans. that game against Tampa last year, but I would. I, I would give New Orleans a much better chance of winning that game than what Tampa did as an eight and nine team against the Cowboys last year. Yeah, I mean New Orleans, they're just they're 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 tough to figure, man. Yeah, like, of course. Two two weeks ago they lose to Houston, lost to Jacksonville. Derek Carr is acting like a petulant child on the sidelines and basically yep. like ap- apologizing and being grilled for it uh all week. And then they come out and hang 38 on the board. And their defense is still good. Like, if no, listen, I know Indianapolis is not that impressive, but I don't know that they have that type of firepower in them consistently. But they, I don't know, there's what 31 24 against Jacksonville last week. It does seem like their ceiling is higher than the Falcons' ceiling or the Bucks' ceiling if they can put together that type of offensive performance. Because I don't, because Atlanta can't, and I still think Tampa is pretty limited. Even if Baker, for the most part, has been the best. Like before today, I would have said Baker's been the best quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. But Derek Carr had a great game today. All right, last one, right? No, we, we got two, two more. We got all we right. Got, we, got, we got we got two more. I'll, I'll uh, ask you this. I'll, uh, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you, you, go ahead. Sorry. By the way, I'm just going to sneak this in. I think Justin Fields is going to be the. Falcons quarterback next year. I'm just want I want to just get that. I out mean, there. everybody's linking him to him. I mean, Ryan Pace is there as the number two. He drafted him. He's from Atlanta. You're you're not the first one, buddy. But go ahead. Ravens Cardinals. 
Is Baltimore the best team in football? You're asking this question at the bottom of a rundown here? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay, we're saving the yeah, best I mean, the, for yeah. almost last year. Okay, so they are number one in DVOA. Okay. Does it feel like that's right, basically? Because to me, Lamar is is still being let down by the dudes around him. Bateman had what might have been the best play of his career today on one of his catches, and he still only finished with 34 yards. He stinks. Uh, Andrews is awesome. Zay Flowers, they kept trying to get him the ball. He had less than 20 yards receiving. Like Gus Edwards was, had a big game. Right. They, they, they got everything done running the ball. They had some short fields. Dobbs threw terrible interceptions. Arizona somehow covered in that spot. Uh, I don't know if Baltimore can invest more like in skill position guys for Lamar, but I still think he's being let down. Like Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham is not enough, but their defense has been great, especially in the red zone. I think Lamar's been great. The balance in between run and pass has been great. I, I definitely think this team can win the Super Bowl. I don't. I, I, I'm I not going to go as far as to say that because of everything you said leading up to that statement. I just, I don't think even though they've got former first round picks and, you know, for me, the Odell Beckham Jr. deal, as it turns out, I still think that that was an olive branch where they overpaid Beckham because they thought it would help placate the Lamar Jackson situation. Whether that was him coming back and playing on a franchise tag or helping, uh, you know, grease the skids for a long-term deal. I'm mean, clearly the guy's not anywhere close to where he was before the knee injuries. They should have been more serious about getting a wide receiver in there. I mean, really, look, they traded Marquise Brown, and I know they got a well, they got a first-round pick back in that deal with Arizona. They could use a guy like him. Right yes, now. they could. Could they get him back for cheaper in the next two days? He's in the last year of his contract. That would be interesting. If there was a reunion there, I mean, it's a new GM in Arizona, so he doesn't feel like he would be trading Brown for dimes on the dollar because he's not the guy who made that deal. But no, I this is Baltimore's reputation right now under ja- with Jackson and Harbaugh, in my opinion, is that this is where they typically peak in a season, right around the midway point. So wake me up in January if Lamar Jackson's healthy and they've got 12 or 13 wins. I'll agree with you. But right now, I'll even put it this way. Who would I bet to have a deeper run, the Bengals or Ravens, out of that division? I'd 100% say Cincinnati. Not Listen, a I mean, I, I, put, I, I put trust the them way more. Yeah, I put the Bengals very high up in the rundown. I put the Ravens at the bottom. So maybe that's my subconscious speaking. Uh, last one. You have Texans and Panthers here. Yeah. Do you think the Panthers are going to gift the Bears the number one pick? So the next two weeks are going to determine. We've come it. full circle here, is what's happened on this podcast. Yeah, well, it's a good job by you. So, like, you know, they weren't good today. It was 15-13. They had uh early in the game, they were down seven-nothing. They had four plays from inside the five-yard line, couldn't punch it in. They they don't have a consistent rushing attack. You know, Thielen has been he locks in on Thielen because no one else is consistent in the passing game, but, but Bryce showed some, some decent resiliency driving him down the field and 
it was a weird ending to the game with the Texans guy kept jumping off sides to try to block the kick. It was just like a it was a weird game. Could have gone either way. Carolina wins it. Next two games though are Indy and Chicago. Like they easily could, twelve days from now, be a three win football team. So, I think if they lose, like to, to me, to me it comes down to the next two games. And my guess is they split it, and that'll kick it down the road a, a, a little bit. But two and zero or zero and two will determine whether or not the Panthers do it. But I still like they could trade away Brian Burns if they can't work out a contract with him, and then he'd be the best player moved at the deadline. But they don't have an incentive to tank because they already gave up their number one pick. So uh, I don't know how they're going to handle the deadline coming up here. But like as I kind of talk my way through figuring out my take on this, which is not how talk show hosts are supposed to do it, but it's late at night. I apologize. Like, <laughs> like they gave up their number one pick. If you trade Brian Burns to get that number one pick back, then yeah, I think that they're going to give the bears the number one pick, but they maybe don't want to do that. And they want to try to win some games for Bryce young. So look, so talk to me in two days. I don't, I, I don't think that organization and the, the way the, we know the owner is so involved He's going to trade away one of the best defensive players in the NFL because he wants to get like the 26th pick in the draft or 27th pick. He's going to prioritize it that much. I would not do that. No way. I mean, you still got your second round pick, right? So you you pick, you're going to pick 32nd or, or 33rd or 34th. Why you know, keep Burns as part of your nucleus of your team? You should. You, you should, they haven't you been should able be, to sign him. Well, then you franchise tag him and make him play on that. Um, so do I think Carolina? No, I think right now the Cardinals are back in the driver's seat to, to pick number one. We're right back. That's where who, we that's who it them. would be right now. It would be, um, it would be Arizona one. Can I just, I want to just end on, on this point. Did you not think I, I probably should have seen this coming, but the Glazer story that he sat on for today about how the Texans and bears almost had a deal and that Houston was going to use that pick to take Bryce Young. If you're Houston, aren't you furious that that's getting out there on October 30th? Like, wouldn't that, like, they want, if that's true, which I'm guessing it is, like, that's a story that you want out there before the season even starts. Let, you know, Stroud react to it however he wants emotionally. And then you move on and you've got the entire season. You're telling me our, I mean, who knows? Maybe they gave him the heads up because they knew Glazer was going to report it. But he didn't play well today. And I was just thinking about that. Like hours before the game, there's a report that's all over the internet and all over the t- all over TV that the team he's playing against, like they got the guy that your organization really wanted. It's not you. Like, this GM and in, in, in coach have told you how great you are for the last few months, but really, if they if 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 they had their druthers, they would have picked the other guy. I could see how that would mess with a twenty-one or twenty-two year old. That's all. Yeah, no, I mean, I, hours I could, before a game. Yeah, if if he was on his phone, if he saw it, if it made its way to him. But yeah, um, it's a good take to end on. It's good to have Danny, you back. Great to be back, man. How was paternity leave? I changed a lot of diapers. Good. Um, I tried to get a routine down where there was feeding times and nap times and tried to adhere to that the best that I could. 
That's um, good. So yeah, it was not like it was not like a situation where you know I was a total disheveled mess and the baby's crying nonstop and I haven't slept or showered in days and in over my head. I did not feel that way. I was in complete control. Do you feel like you tweeted too many sports takes while you were on maternity leave? Because I do. You do? Yeah. Oh, that was my that was my outlet. That was all I had. I didn't have this. I didn't have the show, so I needed, I needed a place for takes. Yeah, you know, you needed to get those. Still, the, the takes are still there. I didn't want to get take blue balls where I'm just sitting there with these takes inside yeah. of me, with nowhere to unleash. You're like, you're like, just like God. So. The internet needs to know what I think about Pat Narduzzi. It's, it's got to get it out. There. It's not even like it's. It's not for the. It's not. It's honestly. I hope people won't take this the wrong way. It's more for me than it is them. It's more, I need to get this out of my system. Sure. You know? Yeah. All right. One of those things. All right. Thanks to Spencer Ray, our producer. Hey, is Kenny Pickett going to play Thursday? Probably not. The Mitch Trubisky show. Oh, God. So we'll be coming at. Coming to Al Michaels. (laughs) Mitch Trubisky against Will Levis. First and five. Michaels might fall asleep on the air. He <laughs> might. <laughs> this rate. All right, dude, good stuff. All right, buddy. Peace.